other than Christmas, Easter, maybe one or two other days, Ash Wednesday is perhaps the most popular day of the Catholic calendar in the Catholic year. And I'll be honest, it's, it's on the surface, it, it doesn't make much sense. You know, people come in droves to church on this day to have their foreheads smeared with ashes and what's supposed to look like a cross and be told, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. I mean, that doesn't sound like something that would bring hordes of people to Mass, but it does. Why? What's so special about receiving these ashes on our forehead today? What does it mean? I think to answer that question, we need to go back to the very beginning, to the second chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and the second creation account, where we read that the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You know, the first few chapters of Genesis, they do convey a historical reality, but they do so using symbolic and poetic language. So what is the historic reality conveyed in these poetic words? There's a couple of things. First, the creation of man out of dust it's an ancient symbol of our mortality, that this life doesn't last forever. And secondly, this verse shows what's unique about mankind. You know, we read that in this, uh, in this verse that God blew into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and this shows us that God made us unique from all living creatures, giving us not just a mortal body made out of the dust, but a rational soul made in his image and likeness. And in the case of Adam and Eve, they were created with, uh, in such a way uh, that they were infused with God's supernatural grace so that they could truly be his friends. They were the friends of God, but as we all know, um, they forfeited that great gift with the original sin, and not just for themselves, for all their descendants. And so down through the ages, um, we've all known what it's like to live in a world where sin and suffering and death has been the norm. You know, after Adam and Eve fell, God said to Adam, By the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread, until you return to the ground from which you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Those are the words we're going to hear today when ashes are placed on our forehead. It's a reminder that this life doesn't last forever. It's a reminder that because of the sin of Adam, we will one day return to the ground from which we were taken. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Today we are reminded about this ancient sin of Adam, about paradise lost, uh, and our own mortality. But we aren't reminded of these things, these somber realities to depress us, but rather we are reminded of them to give us hope. You see, today begins Lent, this 40-day spiritual journey that culminates in an empty tomb, that culminates with Easter. And hopefully in these 40 days, we grow to experience uh, in a profound way, the basic truth of our faith, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, 
uh, to become like us in all things but sin. That he sent his son to embrace death, death on a cross, and to be laid in a tomb in the ground, in the dust, as all of us one day will. Yet on the third day he rose from the grave. Christ rose from the dust and ashes of death, and he offers us a share in this victory, so that even though we shall all return to the dust, we have the hope of rising from that dust once again to live forever in our true homeland of heaven as the saints God created us to be. The question, though, is how? How do we have a fruitful Lent? How do we conform our life to Christ so that we can reach this destiny, this great destiny that God has created us for? In Jesus, in our gospel, he really gives us a spiritual plan, if you will, for how to make this Lent uh, a truly spiritual one, a fruitful one, uh, a Lent where we grow closer to Christ. And he gives us three traditional practices, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. For the sake of time, I'm only going to talk about one, prayer. And the reason I talk about prayer is the saints have called prayer the indispensable and infallible means of, of reaching our destiny. We must pray. We must become men and women of prayer. And, you know, when we pray, we, or when we talk about prayer, we, we typically think of vocal prayers, right? You know, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, these prayers we learned as children. But there's another type of prayer called mental prayer or meditation. It's very simple. It involves reading the Gospels, the Bible, um, a good spiritual book, and then reflecting on it, reflecting on it, um, applying it to our lives, speaking to Christ in our hearts and minds about it, and then listening to him as well, and then making some small resolution how this, this meditation could change our life. If we want a great Lent, this is what we ought to put into practice, to take a substantial amount of each uh, of each day, 20 to 30 minutes, to pray, to meditate, to do this mental prayer on God's Word. And we've actually, uh, this year we got you these small booklets, the Magnificat Lenten Companion. There's an insert in there, so don't lose the insert. But what these are is every single day there is a small meditation based on the Gospel for the day. So you can read the Gospel, and then you can read this small meditation reflect on it, speak to our Lord, and listen to him. And if we make this resolution, if we make this sacrifice of time each day, then God will reward us. He will not, uh, he's never outdone in generosity. Then we will day by day grow closer to Christ so that when Easter comes, we share all the more fully in this victory over, over the grave, this victory over dust and ashes. And we'll be well on our way to one day arriving at that destiny he created us for, to be the saints uh, that we were made to become.